Hello and welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Rachel Conroy. When I first became involved with the Charity Chat podcast, a lot of my peers told me they would love to hear an episode from young men in the sector and try to unpack why there are so few young men working charities, especially in fundraising. I was very pleased to be able to sit down with Daniel Quinn at Marie Curie and Tom Pozniak at Movember. We explore each of their career journeys to date, examine why they have chosen roles that are different from a number of their friends and how their early years at school fostered a longer term interest in altruism to give them a desire to pursue jobs in the charity sector. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good through their fundraising platform. They offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So here are Dan and Tom Eck. Hello, um, I'm very happy to be joined by Dan Quinn and Tomek Pozniak for today's episode of Charity Chat, all about young men in the sector. Um, how are you both today? Doing fine, thank no, you. Great, thank you very much. Brilliant. Um, two lovely kind of northernish accents on the podcast today, which is what we always like to hear. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll get into it and hear a bit about your kind of backgrounds, and then we'll go into more about young men in the sector in general. So coming to you first, Dan, can you tell me a bit more about your career journey and what led you to become a fundraising assistant at Marie Curie? Uh, Yeah, sure. I think it all stems from uh, school, really. They always place a lot of emphasis on extracurricular activities involving volunteering. It was a school in uh, Birkenhead, um, so not the most affluent area, but it was always pressed upon us, uh, the need to help those less fortunate than ourselves, whether it's people in our local community or from our twin school in Sierra Leone. So I think that had a real impact on me growing up. And then from there, I went on to study international development at uni, uh, essentially of like why the study of why poor countries are poor. And there I picked up more on sort of like fundraising activities, predominantly involving like uh, karaoke nights. And the sort of main thing would be running the Brighton Half Marathon, which I've done four times in total now. And then following university, I moved over to Spain to teach English as a foreign language as part of the British Council scheme. Uh, After doing that for a few years, I wanted to return to the UK, specifically London. Uh, And I was searching for roles in the sort of charity or NGO sector. Uh, And that's how I came to work for Marie Curie. And I've been in the role for just over a year now. Great. Um, And I know we were just chatting before the episode and the kind of running has continued and you just did the the London Marathon the other weekend as well. So that's obviously stuck with you um, through these years, too. Yeah, just part of like just a great I think it's just a great way to sort of stay active as well as doing something good for a good cause. Um, Yeah, glad to say my legs have finally recovered. (laughs) I can get up and down the stairs now, which is Good news. Yeah, definitely. Always good news. <laughs> and Tomek, how did you get into the role of innovation coordinator at November? So again, similar to Dan, I've started really at school, learned what importance of charities and things and made and introduced to November as well at the same time. I, I played a lot of rugby all through school. And I still do now. And November's like massive in that sort of area. So it's always been a charity that I've known about. And then I think my second year of uni, there was an option to become a student ambassador for November, which I applied for and got, which was really good fun. And then so for all of that 2019 campaign was Bristol Uni's student ambassador. 
which was loads of fun. I had a great time, got to see the, went into the London office for my training and just learned that the charity was just something really cool. And it was always in the back of my mind that it was something which I'd love to look into more, like actually working there. And then the pandemic hit um, for my third year, I did a music degree. So the music industry was really, really hit hard by that. And you couldn't really do anything in the music industry at like entry level or like from graduation level. So I looked into what I'd done in the past few years and I was like, oh, Movember. And then there was a role as a fundraising operations assistant. And I was like, oh, I'll go for that and did that. And I've just gradually stayed on without many people realizing. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it just say so, so worked on the campaign last year and then joined the innovation team this year to look into like as a youth gaming side of things and YouTubing sort of world, which is good fun. Great. And for, for the listeners, Tomek and we actually do work together. And I can say um, his personality in the office definitely means that you don't notice that he's there. You can you always notice that Tomek's there. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. It's just good to hear why you've chosen and some similar themes there, like you've both picked up on. An interesting point about kind of schools and what schools can be doing uh, at that early age to kind of get that interest and understand more about the charity sector as well. Um, so coming into the kind of crux of the topic of this episode, why do you think there are so few young men in the charity sector? And open question, I'll let you both chip in on that one. Oh, Dan go first. He's got some, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I've I think, I think it mainly comes down to money, really. I think that's what people most associate with roles, jobs in the charity. It's like it's not paid fantastically well. Um, so there's a sort of added thing of like security and saving for the future. Um, and then on top of that, maybe just sort of like the status of the job, like maybe met young men look for more like grandeur in a occupation especially just out of uni make like and, and I have plenty of friends who sort of work in like uh the industry and it's sort of like their main thing is like the perks that come with the jobs whether it's like lunches out after work drinks tickets to this event that dinner sort of thing so it's obviously quite appealing they well they make it appealing to work in uh those kind of jobs and obviously the charity sector just can't really offer that as much yeah really really interesting thoughts there Dan Tomek anything from your side yeah I think it's just I think this is going to be a massive generalization for all of my friends like growing up and through uni and every all my like guy friends have such like specific ideas of what they want to do all from either school or it stems from uni and they do like those degree they'll work very much backwards in that I want to be in finance, so I'm going to do an E&M degree, so I don't have a choice, really. So they get through to those, they do their three years of economics, and then they're like, right, well, I've got to go into, I've got to go into finance or banking or insurance or something like that. Whereas, it's, and even on the complete other side, the people who do like the more creative degrees will probably stay in that area. Or like even just like, my friends who've done politics have stayed in that sort of area. There's no real opening. I was one of, again, in a massive female-dominated class doing music, and then a massive minority of people who didn't who, who haven't stayed in the music industry. I think it's quite rare at the moment, especially with the pandemic coming in anyway, for people to sort of move away from what they know. And you can't do a charity degree at uni. So no one's really like, what are you gonna do? How you, you it comes around as we've both seen how we both get into the industry, it comes around from very different ways from just the pure education. And I think that's a big reason. Yeah, definitely. And I think 
there's like interesting points there about potentially again coming back to that school system but the fact that in in the way we're built up systemically it's very much like you said working backwards and actually there's a lot of talk about careers now and that it doesn't have to be linear and it can kind of be more kind of cyclical or wavy and that kind of doesn't allow if you've got these plans in mind and you're kind of taught from a young age that to get to a certain point you need to do this and it doesn't have that connection so yeah really interesting thanks for sharing that guys um and we touched a bit um but other than what we've said do you think there are other any other barriers that prevent young men from deciding uh, to pursue careers in the charity sector i think it might be just how the sector is framed really so it's i think it's quite similar to being like a, like school teachers or nurses both occupations that are predominantly held by women and I think it's sort of like, like historically they were perceived to be sort of like socially acceptable jobs for women to do as they entered the workforce. And I think charity work falls into that like area as well, maybe. Um, and there's also the sort of element of like women gravitating to more caring roles. Obviously, that's just a generalization, but, sort of, but that does go hand in hand with charity work as well. Yeah, definitely. I don't think it's a generalisation. It's a, like we said, it's a kind of societal kind of perception and we're, we all live in the world where these ideas are put upon us. So, yeah, I think it's a really interesting point, Dan. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think, yeah, for me, it's the main, like, visible one is literally just money and relocating. If you don't live in London, mm-hmm. I know you find it down, but, like, I've, I've had to relocate to London to start working in November last year and it's just, like, you just don't have, not everyone will have that sort of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, they just openness to doing that and to just like just taking a step and just living living in the most expensive place to live in the, in the country on not a corporate finance salary, which takes it takes a lot, and you have to really enjoy what you do to do it. And yeah, I feel a lot of my friends who've come to London for work don't enjoy what they do for work, but love living in London. Whereas I love what I do, but don't enjoy living in London. So it's a complete <laughs> other way around. But yeah, I wouldn't change it. Yeah, and it's a, it's an odd thing, isn't it? Like you said, that in the sector predominantly, most jobs are in in the most expensive place to to live, and yet we're not paid as much as our counterparts in other organisations. Uh, idea for another episode, we can try and see why it's acceptable that we're not paid as much to live in the most expensive city. So yeah, that's uh, really interesting. And what advice would you give to any charities? that are looking to attract more men into the sector? Like, so I've got a lot of male friends who do fundraise for charity, uh, sort of via like challenge events, whether it's like marathons, Ironmans, Tough Mudders. And so like a lot do it for the charity, but then quite a lot of them do it for the purpose of the challenge and like the fundraising and the charity is almost sort of like an afterthought or like a means to the end of doing the challenge itself. So obviously you want the charity's course to be at the forefront of your employees' like drive to work for the charity. But I think maybe if charities look at different aspects, so like if like yes, we're a charity, but like if your passion is about doing events, then we can provide the role for you to do that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. that's that's very much similar to what I was going to say. And just that it's got to be. Not, an, I don't think it'd be an open-ended job or an open-ended job in the sense that if you know where you want to go into, you'll be able to mould it into that. 
having the idea of a like a completely catch-all job where you're doing a bit of everything probably doesn't appeal as much you want someone to think oh i can come in and just focus on sports and it's like yeah that's cool and then that would sort of and feel make it feel a bit more specialized because i feel like a lot of charity jobs are very much because they're either understaffed or just can't do it they have to be more catch-all and they have to have you have to be looking at everything every day whereas make it and then that wouldn't appeal to a lot of people just because it's just like you just you want to focus on one thing or like two things whereas if you make it so it, it does feel like that it'd be a different story I think yeah definitely it sounds like making it more like role specific and kind of heroing what you're doing as and rather than kind of why you're doing it which is important but actually ultimately we all have to work every day so what you're doing is super kind of important to know um okay and I think we've got time for one last question this morning so if a young guy was thinking about his future career what would you say the key positives are of working for a charity you love what you do <laughs> if you do and I think that's it you can it's such an you don't meet anyone as like generally wholesome and nice that you do as working at a charity because everyone's there because they want to be there no one's there just for the money or no one's there just because they have to or like to force their way into that role they're there because they care about the cause they care about what they do because realistically they could probably they could probably leave and go and leave the charity sector for either a lot more money or to do something that would progress their career way way faster but if you're in the charity sector you're there because you want to meet all the lovely people who fundraise for you you want to do every you just it's just a really like enjoyable place to like area to work, which is so nosy. Can't be able to say that. No, it's not. It's not at all, Tomic. And that's obviously I'm I'm a woman in the charity sector. I'm quite stereotypical, you know, uh, young white woman charity sector. But I think that's the reason that I love it too. So it just shows that the reasons are the same, uh, even if you kind of have a different background as well. So yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, Dan, was there anything you wanted to add on that as well? Uh, yeah just like it's always like very rewarding work and I don't think there's any other sector really where you find so many just like-minded people because you've all got into it for the sort of the same reason of just wanting to help others Um, and it's sort of like no matter like how small or mundane a task may seem while you're working you can always sort of link it along so this will lead to that to that to eventually helping someone um, and then sort of like depending what like charity you work for. So I work for Marie Curie, so deal with a lot of sort of death and bereavement. So you have to be like very empathetic, like show an ability to understand like how someone is feeling. And I think that well, that, that's a quality that a lot more young men could do with having. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I think it's been really interesting to hear um, from you both this morning your kind of wisdom will inspire some more young men to get into the sector but also you know for any charities listening out there they can learn a bit more about why young men are here and how they can attract more into the sector as well so thank you very much Dan and Tomek bye a big thank you to Dan and Tomek for sharing their personal journeys and opinions on why there are so few young men working in charities while some of the issues raised, such as how much you get paid for working for a not-for-profit and the fact that it is very London-centric industry, are not unique to young men, it appears that these are more of a barrier to entry for them. 
the juxtaposition of having to move to London whilst often being on a lower wage than at a like-for-like role in another industry feels like a wider issue that needs to be addressed by the sector at all levels. It's clear from this episode that whilst the school which promotes charitable activities can give boys a philanthropic outlook, the way that a lot of young men are culturally pushed to be career-centric, it's hard to spot a charity career as a viable option after education. A key area of focus could be to consider entry roles which are less broad in their scope as the lack of focus on one area can make it harder to feel that you are entering the job market with a defined career ambition. Similarly to nearly everyone that you encounter working in the third sector, both Dan and Tomic love working in the environment, both because they love what they do and they enjoy being around like-minded people. As with any organisation trying to attract talent from different demographics, it's important for charities to go to spaces where young men look for jobs. So thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to listen to Charity Chat. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and how you feel the sector can be encouraging more young men in. Find us on Twitter or LinkedIn to share your thoughts or email us on charitychatpodcast at gmail.com. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.org.uk. I'd also like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Askamit for our beautiful website, check it out at charitychat.org.uk, Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out now. I've been your host, Rachel Conroy. Thank you again for listening. Bye.